The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. When we heed the call and say yes to live from the truth of our hearts, we accept the invitation to deeply relax, trust, and let go of fear, control, struggle, suffering, and separation. Now, here is your host, Sandy Goldstone. Hello, lovelies. Welcome to this week's episode of Sounds of the Heart. As your host, I am delighted to have your beautiful presence and heart's vibration join with mine as we listen, share, and explore in this hour together. I invite us all to join together as one conscious global heart as we take a deep breath in and relax out with a sound. Ah. To gently ground our being in calm stillness, meeting ourselves in love, as love, what we always are now. Oh, it's just so wonderful to feel our hearts become part of the one unified field of love through the breath. Let's just continue to close our eyes. And just ground ourselves in with the inhale and the exhale of our breath. Breathing in the light, breathing out the light. As we breathe in and we breathe out, we see that light. Just expand and expand and expand throughout our being. Going through our being, out into the world, out into the universes. And we see that light streaming back in and through every place and space within us and around us in its beautiful light and love and peace. And we take a deep breath in and we exhale out feeling deeply grounded and relaxed. (sighs) 
Thank you, lovelies, for joining me again today. And it gives me great pleasure and joy to um, introduce my dear friend, Daniel Suello. Daniel Suello is in his 34th year of private practice as an interpretive astrologer, counsellor, primal therapist, group leader, and professional trainer. He is an international leader in the use of the ancient and magical art of experiential astrology. He is also a specialist in the reclamation of the sacred feminine, the Shiva Shakti relationship, and the sacred marriage, while running sacred tours in Australia and India in his spare time. He has a Bachelor of Science and a Diploma of Education. Welcome so much, Daniel, to Sounds of the Heart. It's so lovely to have you join with us today and share your vast knowledge and experience of um, being the magician, working with the energies of the universe and um, sharing your experience and your observations with us. So there's no, oh my goodness, it's an understatement that the beginning of this year has been so intense and feeling like we're all under an energetic um, pressure cooker and lots of things have been um, uncovered in our deep barrel of um our psychic uh, unconsciousness. And so what is your interpretation of what the past three months' energies and themes have been about? Well, firstly, Sandy, thank you so much for the invitation to come on your program. You're so um, welcome. <clears throat> I'm, I'm quite excited. Um, yeah, it's been additionally intense since the turning of the year and uh, I'd like to put in the context that since late 2011 the entire planet has been under the grip of a transit that's called transiting Uranus squaring Pluto in Capricorn and these two energies combined to produce a, a collective demand for both deep and radical change. So if any of us think back for the last four or five years at the, the depth, the pace, the radical shifts and changes, whether in ourselves but particularly on the planet, that's been um, driven by this particular transit. So it's, it's been incredibly intense and most people have experienced this either through their work, their health or their relationship lives. All, all and, three. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and all of the above. Um, now, if we understand those transits, it's kind of, what, it, what it's kind of saying is that we're, we're in this massive rebirth and part of any real rebirth involves the destruction of the old. So both these energies kind of specialise in either deep or dramatic change that, that shatters our old mindsets, our patterning, our old scripts, and, but also is awesome opportunities to open up more to at both our authentic selves and a more empowered version of ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. So, so this has been collective for the last five years, which is why it's just been total chaos. And, and relentless. Yes. Relentless. <laughs> yeah, relentless is a really good word. And then what's happened just on Christmas New Year is that this square got even more intensified because it was initially joined by a very powerful, very mysterious astrological image in the form of the black moon. Mm-hmm. And, and then later in this last month by the Kali asteroid. And what's happened with these four is they have come into what is called a grand cross. Mm-hmm. In many ways, it's the most intense and challenging of astrological configurations. And mm-hmm. um, so what our experience of the last four years has, been, has gotten even more intensified, and, and it is very much like a cosmic pressure cooker. So when I think of the Grand Cross, it kind of like sounds like we're having our own crucifixion <laughs> to all that doesn't serve us and we've been invited to a resurrection and a rebirth um, into the light of truth and actually seeing ourselves as we truly are and the power that is within that clarity of um, knowing and seeing. And if I look back on 2011, Oh, sweet Lord. Um, That's when I had my two near-death experiences um, in 2011 and because I was believing something to be true that wasn't. And and then from that point, everything else started to unravel. It just was the beginning point and um, everything else started to unravel and it was a very disorientating um, place and space to kind of hang out in for, for a while. I kind of just sat on the couch in shock, really. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And, it, like, I don't know what's true or what isn't true or, like, who am I now without all this um, this peripheral kind of mental um, garbage and luggage and images um, gone yeah, yeah, your, your experience is not uncommon, particularly amongst really, really sensitive people because um, we, we tune into these energetics far more deeply and as a consequence we often get more knocked around because of that as well. However, the, the, at the same time, the important thing to emphasise is that these are exceptional times for really deep personal spiritual transformation and yeah. and we're not at the mercy of these energies certainly um they are big collective forces which take no prisoners and yet i i'm, I'm an old surfy and one of my favorite analogies is that these are like big tsunamis in the collective mm-hmm and in, in surfing, you can either try and run away and usually get cleaned up by a big wave or you can learn to be a big wave rider. Yes. And this is, this is what we're all being taught, to get the early warning signals that, okay, there's some great opportunity for healing here, 
the same, some great opportunity for releasing garbage that I've carried from the past. There's some great opportunity to reclaim previously lost parts of myself. Let's take off on this wave. Yes. And I, I got to see that because what I was running away from was deep, deep, um, you know, buried feelings of um, shame, embarrassment and humiliation. And that was what I had wanting to be avoiding at all costs. And so life just went, no, <laughs> this is part of the all. And this needs to be, you know, grace comes back for every part of itself to show us that we are our redeeming presence, our own redeeming presence. And so um, it was like it had to strip everything that I was kind of holding on to for dear life and it was like no this was what was bringing about my death and destruction so it was just like the irony of it but also the grace of it to be able to just um, have that clarity and that seeing and to have the courage to actually want to know and to want to change yes yes and and, and also these are one of those those times where it's really important to to understand, number one, that grace is ever-present. And, and yet grace can come not necessarily in its traditional kind of light-filled forms, that there is a deeper grace that involves going into the darkness and yet to, to find a very pure source of light at the actual core of the darkness. Mm. So um, part of the demand for all of us is um, to face those parts of ourselves that have become um, heavily distorted, um, where shame and other emotional responses have, have pushed incredibly important parts of ourselves into the unconscious, which always produces trauma down the track. So, and, and part of that exploration is also about knowing our shadows really, really deeply. Because if we understand that the universe is trying to um, support us to become more empowered individuals, not empowered from an egocentric position, but empowered because all our chakras are open, um, there is little in within us that has been rejected and mm -hmm. so as we step up in that level of empowerment if you like to allow spirit to move through us one of our our tasks is to identify those shadow areas where we might be seduced into misusing that energy mm -hmm. so there's a lot of shadow work to be done here mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. well as um you know opening to the more obvious light. Yes. And par the paradox is that the deeper you go into the shadow area, then the more light becomes available. Yes. And that was my experience because it um, unlocked um, my level of creativity that had been locked up for so long and it, and it just um, started to expand and grow and the sense of aliveness and energy that returned um, just multidimensionally to this being was just phenomenal and it just continues to expand and grow um, even now. So it's, um, it's, it's been, it was fierce 
and um, not necessarily comfortable and and easy, but absolutely liberating and truly freeing. Yeah, yeah, and and so much more enjoyable about being here now, being this totally embodied um, hu- divine human and being grounded on the planet because for so long part of me just didn't want to be here in, in some way or, or form. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so expanding on what you've been talking about, what is the eclipses and particularly the one in Pisces and respectively the Saturn-Jupiter and Saturn-Neptune square being preparing us for collectively and individually as we continue to navigate the energies of 2016? Wow, that's a huge question. Um, (laughs) I I think what I'd like to do is um, describe some of the dynamics of the actual eclipse. Okay. Because... um, Eclipses, um, you know, here we have this incredibly intense collective psychic environment. And as if that isn't challenging enough, then along come a couple of eclipses. And and the eclipses are like dropping depth charges (laughs) into the collective. So whatever's going on in the collective gets heightened, exaggerated and intensified. And this particular eclipse on the 9th of March um, was extraordinary on so many levels. And particularly in terms of, if, if you take a broad overview, in terms of getting us more in alignment with our ultimate soul purposes. Mm-hmm. And there are two major aspects of that. See, it was a full moon eclipse. Yeah. And therefore, one of the death charges drops deep into the watery energies of Pisces and the other dropped, dropped into the beautifully earthy energies of Virgo. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the one in Pisces is, is critical in many ways because um, the sun had lined up with what's called Chiron, the wounded healer. Mm-hmm. which is this extraordinary archetype of, of very deep healing that exists within each of us. And the two of them in turn lined up with what's called the south node of the moon, which in karmic astrology is the most obvious representative of um, past life-based energetics that we've brought into this life. Mm-hmm. So the sun, Chiron, and south node is intense enough, and yet here's this foom, this depth charge into the whole, into this spot. And as extraordinary healing opportunities arise from this, um, Chiron is this incredibly intelligent part of ourselves which seems to set up or co-create experiences in our outer life that take us into very ancient wounds, which sounds rather masochistic, you know, it's kind of <laughs> old pain. However, it's an expression of grace because in lancing into 
old patterning, old pain. He cracks us open so that we have opportunities to release that pain. And in order and to then make way for allowing more of this natural healing energy that exists within each of us to arise. So this is why that, that ex, you know, around that eclipse, a lot of people had incredibly painful experiences. And a lot of ancient material, often which, which we felt, oh, yeah, I've healed that, I've worked on that, that's okay. And Chiron says, no, we're taking you deeper. Mm -hmm. And in that depth, and particularly in Pisces, we're getting opportunities to heal wounds that go to the deepest levels of sensitivity, vulnerability, creativity, um, psychic and spiritual openness that Pisces represents. Mm -hmm. And so when I was describing this to, to my clients and that, it was like, you know, it's like this is extraordinary opportunities for great healing, and which was heightened by the eclipse. Now, the extraordinary thing is that this lineup is continuing. Okay. And, and in fact, eclipses actually reverberate for, uh, you know, many, many months afterwards. Mm -hmm. So in this respect, we can say this is this is incredible year of healing. Mm -hmm. But with Chiron, the healing's not gift wrapped. No. He's, he's, he's the kind of, he's kind of like the spiritual warrior that says, in order to heal deeply, you have to face your pain. You have mm -hmm. to feel your feelings more deeply. You have to reverse the different ways that we all learn to anesthetize ourselves or numb out to survive the early parts of our lives psychologically. Mm -hmm. So he's tough, but he's driven by the deepest grace. And so once again, we're not at the mercy of these energies, but to understand them, it's like these are opportunities. It might hurt like hell, but it's still an opportunity. Yeah, well, I had I had bronchitis like in that two-week period and um, that was a childhood thing um, that I saw arose when there wasn't um, an ability to kind of really speak what was really true for me and so I needed to submerge that and there was deep pain and sadness around that and always being told that girls can't ask questions and be curious um, and then to have it smack bang in the middle of the of the, of a, of this call to happen. I knew something big was going to meet me, and I kind of got confused with the times because my mind wasn't like it was all muddled and everything. And that was the first time for me to be publicly speaking in that way since I'd been excommunicated from the church when I was twenty six. So I was able to meet that. Um, that fear of rejection within this being and that and but there was no judgment there was no um recrimination or anything like that there was just this joyous relief that I could just like meet this because I'd already had a sense that something big was going to be meeting me there because it was falling smack bang right in the time that you know we went to air so it was just like in some ways like spirit had prepared me so I was very grateful for that 
and mm. my own attention to astrology and my love of astrology kind of like was was kind of like forewarned me that to just be prepared be prepared yeah, yeah. So that so that's the kind of the south node. That's one side of the eclipse. The other is that there's an incredibly beautiful lineup um, on the moon of that eclipse in Virgo, and we had a situation of the transiting moon being conjunct what's called Hygieia, who's a Kundalini goddess of healing. And also conjunct Jupiter, who's the planet of benevolence, of grace, of, of massive, expansive openings, and all of which on the north node of the moon. And the north node of the moon is um, it's like a visionary point in our charts and within our psyches that seems to hold the visions of where we're heading. Mm-hmm. Um, both individ- as individual souls but in, in, a, in a collective chart where we're heading as a civilization or at least our possibilities as a civilization. Mm-hmm. So, so while we're having this whole Chiron thing happening like you know, dropping bombshells into very old wounds, there is, there is simultaneously this very light-filled vision opening. And it's in Virgo and the... When I looked at it, it the feeling was, ah, it is possible for us to bring balance into our civilization. And part of that balance includes um, becoming better um, stewards of our planet and Mm -hmm. seeing the mother as the earth and serving her Mm -hmm. and serving her through connecting with the healing power of the sacred feminine, Mm -hmm. connecting with those parts of ourselves that are naturally healing. This is where the the goddess Hygieia is is this placement. It It was so exciting for me as, you know, a therapeutic astrologer because light like the Chiron position, fantastic opportunities to healing. But with Hygieia, Hygieia is about whenever we have an opportunity to open and to surrender to an energy, to feel our feelings more deeply, whether it's an emotional experience, a spiritual one, a therapeutic one, a sexual one, there, there is this mechanism in our physical bodies, which is part of the in healing intelligence in our bodies, that's a lot like orgasm. Mm-hmm. But it is a whole body, whole chakra experience. Mm-hmm. And it is this healing goddess Hygieia that opens us to the possibility of having those kind of organic and incredibly liberating healing experiences. And the challenge is how to drop out of our minds, drop out of our concepts, let go of our outer personas and just be in the energy of whatever we're experiencing. So this other opportunity 
was opening up simultaneously and is still in action and will continue to be in action for a number of months as well. And I say to people, look, um, make use of this time. You know, whatever spiritual practices work for you, whatever healing, counseling, therapeutic practices, if you really go for it here, you can have not just extraordinary releases, but you can change your life in a way that puts you more in alignment with what you're really here to do as an individual soul. Mm -hmm. very, very exciting. Very exciting, but it also requires us to be courageous and to feel deeply and to feel everything. And we've been so used to shutting things down and through our addictive patterns of avoidance and, you know, clinging on to stuff and just so we, you know, don't be fully present to the the moment. So we're just going to take a short break, but we're going to come back and further discuss the role of the sacred feminine. So um, it's time for us to take a short break now, lovelies. This is Sandy Goldstone, and my guest is Daniel Suello. And you are listening to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Stay tuned. And we'll be back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Sandy Goldstone wants to help you start your true self journey. Sandy works with all issues and ages for individuals, couples, and groups. She is a spiritual teacher and holistic counselor of the Heart's Way in Perth, Australia. It's time to gift yourself with knowing your own lightness of being, beauty, and truth. You can feel relaxed, loving, wise, joyful, and peaceful, whatever your experiences have been or what challenges you are currently facing. Are you ready? Let's do it. Say yes and call or contact Sandy Goldstone in Australia on 011-61420-399-287 or reach out to her on Facebook at Sandy Grace Goldstone and start your true self journey. Right now, Sandy is offering a special gift. Mention the radio show, Sounds of the Heart, and receive a 40% discount on each of your first two 90-minute Skype sessions. That's just $99 to start your true self journey with Sandy Goldstone. For more information or to receive this special offer, email soundsoftheheart at hotmail.com. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to the Sounds of the Heart. To find out more about our program, visit Sandy's website at soundsoftheheart.com.au. Again, that's soundsoftheheart.com.au. Now, back to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. And we are back, lovelies, with Sounds of the Heart on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America. And I am your host, Sandy Goldstone, talking with my guest, Daniel Suello. So we're going to continue to expand, Daniel, on the role that the sacred feminine is playing out in our current astrological transits and experiences. 
I know that this is a deep love and passion of yours, the re-emerging and the awakening of the sacred feminine. Oh, it is indeed. And and it wasn't, wasn't, strictly speaking, a planned one on my part. It just, she just happened to come into my world so powerfully through a whole variety of experiences to say that as a man, this is part of your job. This is a part of your job description. Beautiful. <laughs> and um, and I, I feel really honoured as a man to be able to, you know, work with the different faces of the goddess, which are so imperative for us to reclaim both as individuals but also as a society. Um, just to put it in context, um, see, when I, when I first learned the trade of astrology, um, we would simply put in the position of the planets and a couple of other points and, and we would base the whole chart around that. However, um, even in Greek and Roman times, astrology had been heavily masculinized, even mm-hmm. though they paid lip service to the goddess. And so to, to simply have a, a, an astrology chart with the planets alone heavily imbalances the chart towards the masculine. Oh, interesting. Whereas, yeah. Whereas in the last 60 years, just as feminism was starting to emerge, a body of knowledge started to simultaneously emerge around some of the major and minor asteroids um, from the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And... And some of these asteroids have come to represent the different faces of the re-emerging feminine. Okay. Different faces of the goddess. And when an astrologer starts to bring some of those asteroids into the birth chart, it brings it into a much more realistic balance of masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And it actually fills out a lot of the missing pieces you know, parts of ourselves that we intuit there, but traditional astrology hasn't given an appropriate label to. So when this happened in my practice, it was like, oh, my God, this is totally changing the way I work with this stuff. Okay. And and then through these asteroids, you really, you come to learn about the extraordinary energies of the sacred feminine from the most luscious and beautiful to the most fierce and warrior-like to the tantric goddesses, to the goddesses of the intellect, to the goddesses of the deep heart. And there's this huge array of reflections of the sacred feminine. And so now um, when I draw up a birth chart, I've got, you know, the traditional planets, but about 15 other points, which are these different asteroids. And, and it gives so much depth and breadth to the information you can extract from a chart. Wow. And this is, as an astrologer, this has put me on par with, with people like Andrew Harvey and Marianne Williamson uh-huh. and all those, all those exceptional people out there who are saying... If we're going to survive as a planet, we have to reclaim her. Mm-hmm. As, as my friend Andrew describes, you know, how can you have a sacred marriage if, if the bride is tied up with duct tape in the basement? Wow. 
I mean, that's that's where we kind of, like, if we look at the media and all that kind of stuff and even the music industry, you constantly see that being visually played out and, you know, the imagery and all that kind of stuff and the way we interact and relate with our beloved Mother Earth is um, in that same kind of vein. And just to kind of get the feel of that, it's like it feels horrendous and it feels quite terrifying actually. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's also terrifying because there's a deep secret here. Like if we look on the global scale and, you know, look at just the nightmares that are happening everywhere, mm. it's not just driven by, you know, fundamentalist, patriarchal, um, you know, aberrations. It's also driven by the rejection of the sacred feminine. Because there are, there are aspects of the sacred feminine that if are rejected for too long, become enormously destructive and demonic. So if you think of, um, you know, Islamic State terrorists, they're not just men playing out their mad dreams. They're actually driven by distorted goddesses within them that make them so rabidly destructive and and this this is quite a challenging concept for people to take because you know in in new age circles if you talk about the goddess people immediately gravitate towards Kuan Yin and the goddesses of compassion and Mother Mary who are you know just absolutely gorgeous but again our society tends to run away from what it deems to be black and destructive and toxic, understandably so. But if our society tells us that, which it has done for decades, is that you have to keep that, that dark material at bay. You have to bury it. You have to lock it up. And, and along with that comes teachings that you can't heal that territory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is crap, basically. Um, if you understand that these are distorted expressions of the sacred, then it gives you a whole different way of looking at it. Um, for instance, there's, there's a really potent goddess named after the Old Testament figure of Lilith. Who was mm. the? Um, she was the first partner of Adam in certain you know, versions of the Old Testament, and she was this feisty, juicy, assertive, passionate. Some say redhead, who demanded equality from Adam on every level. And you can imagine here's Adam from a patriarchal system, patriarchal father from Middle East pre-Christian culture. You can imagine how that goes down. <laughs> like a lead balloon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he can't deal with her. Yeah. And, and he rejects her. He dishonors her. He refuses to listen to her wisdom and intelligence. Now, initially, Lilith is absolutely committed to the creation of high-quality relationships. So she hangs in there. 
in the hope that it will change. But it doesn't. Now, I, I know a lot of women hearing this will go, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that stage. Um, and out of that, her resentment builds to the point where she either chooses or engineers her exile. Yes. So she goes out into the desert alone, exiled by her community. Mm-hmm. And out of her pain and her anger, she mates with demons. And from these mating, she births demonic babies who get taken from her. So she loses her babies. And so her grief, her pain, and her anger goes ballistic. And in the myth, she turns into this demonic, destructive version of the distorted feminine and and leaves a trail of destruction and havoc. Now, if that was the end of the story, we'd all be in trouble. But fortunately it's not because at a certain stage, despite her acting out her rage and her pain, through an extraordinary act of grace, she finds out that she has the capacity to transform her rage and her grief into a mature version of that original potency. Mm-hmm. And then slowly she becomes the embodiment of the truly empowered woman. Mm-hmm. And she's empowered because... Number one, her warrior energies work well. So she knows how to look after herself. Number two, because her warrior energies work well, her sensitivity, her vulnerability, her upper chakra gifts are free to be expressed. She's also empowered because she's not wasting emotional energy keeping rejected parts of her emotional self under control Mm -hmm. and from that she radiates this potency and and it's not you know like a hardcore defended potency it's a radiance and and so she becomes this beautiful expression of the whole woman the whole feminine which includes the whole feminine within a man so I'm telling this story because, you know, I work with a lot of the so-called dark goddesses. You know, there's Lilith, Medusa, Hecate, Kali. And in their distorted forms, yeah, they're incredibly toxic and destructive inside each of us and create all sorts of trauma. But if we're able to work with them, then we discover these deeper layers of the sacred feminine in all her glorious power, her unbelievable capacity for all accepting love, and as the transformative core of each of our individual selves. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's a story that says that our deepest healing comes from, once again, like the Chiron thing, diving into our darkness and diving through it. Yes, and it's when we dive into the darkness, we 
we get, um, well, I got clearly shown that the light is always within and around us. Whatever we're moving into and meeting within ourselves, it's always met from that light of grace. As fierce as it feels at times, um, we are all lovingly supported and um, wisely guided by that that um, mysterious, um, all-knowing, all-loving presence. So listening to that story, it's like, whoa, kind of like feels really quite um, overwhelming and terrifying in some ways. And, and a lot of people are feeling that. They're like going, oh, my goodness, I know that, you know, I'm being confronted with my um, patterns of addiction, my illusions and delusions, and and um, but I don't know what to do, or it's just so terrifying that um, I'm just going to go back to my old ways because it feels too hard and it feels too difficult. So, what practices can we cultivate or resources can we draw on so we do not get overwhelmed and despondent and get filled with despair as these big changes keep washing up relentlessly on our divine human shores? Yeah, it's a great question. And there's a number of ways that we need to look after ourselves in this. Both, and, and in a funny way, it's kind of what I'm about to say is paradoxical because on one hand it means looking after those incredibly sensitive and vulnerable places in us and to the other extreme of claiming our own fire, our own fierceness. And from the point of view of our sensitivity, this is where we need to take really good care of ourselves psychically. Because, yeah, at times like this, you know, the collective is pushing up so much ancient, wounded and toxic material. So even going into a public place around lots of people, particularly sensitive individuals, are going to sponge some of that energy. Yep. So we need to be really consistent around processes that help shore us up psychically. The obvious one is regular meditation. Any good meditation will... Gives the, body, gives the body a signal that it can shed what you've absorbed on a day-to-day basis. Um, it includes using whatever psychic protection mechanisms work for you, whether that's white light visualizations around your body, whether it's the use of particular flower essences or, or a soma, um, or, or different forms of, of psychic protection prayers. Mm-hmm. We need to be really, really consistent around that because there is so much crap flying in the collective. It's also important to do that because if we understand that each of us, whether we're conscious or, or not, are undergoing great healing, and part of that healing means flushing out material that we've carried, whether it's generationally from the family, whether it's from our past life records, whether it's simply from our culture. So the more we're looking after ourselves psychically to 
stop day-to-day incoming, then the more space we have to be able to release our own personal material. Yeah, I've noticed that sometimes when I'm going through a big process that, I don't know, it's almost like I have fresh baby skin, like psychically, and um, but I'm even more sensitive to the volatility and the the density of the conscious collective thinking or the emotional patterns and there are just places that I just don't go to anymore because I just feel tired or I feel sad or angry you know I just notice that within me where and it will be in like in a split second it's like I feel really light and open and responsive and engaged and enlivened and then it's like like this cloud just kind of envelops me. So it's like I've just really become very clear around where I um, put my energy socially and um, what actually enables me to nurture and stay grounded um, to the love and life, the oneness of all that is. Yeah, yeah. It means, like you said, like being really discriminating about, you know, what environments you spend time with, what individuals you spend time with, without being paranoid, but just being aware, you know, everyone's got their stuff running. Um, now, the, the other end of the spectrum, and, and this, is, this is where we can use um, Uranus, the planet Uranus going through Aries. One of the reasons why, you know, it's been an incredibly tumultuous time in relationships is because Uranus went into Aries again around 2011, 2012, and it basically said to all of us, what have you done to your individuality? What have Mm. you done to your fire? Are you living from your authentic self or are you living out your conditioning or your social masks? It's a kind of a big wake-up energy that says, own your fire. Where is your passion? Um, Where is that part of you that wants to live an inspired, passionate life that is in alignment with with your highest self, if you like, and your deepest self? Yeah. Now, as I said, Uranus is doubling up with these other three great energies. So... The intensity of this message is really, really strong. Now, when you're hitting those places of despair, it's really important to understand that despair and depression and um, is often symptomatic of buried anger and rage. And or where we carry incredibly toxic energies that have traveled down generationally and that which we carry in our own physical and psychic bodies. That is at the core of most of the depressive states and mental illnesses. Yes. And so this Aries, this... Uranus in Aries is a call to own your anger. It's to learn how to work with it and to heal its destructive edges. And um, this is territory that a lot of therapies, a lot of spiritual practices steer around. 
because it is incredibly challenging energy to work with, which is why you often need you know, high-quality therapeutic spaces where you can learn to open up, to feel the energy more fully and learn how to express and release it safely. Okay, Daniel, so this seems like a really good time to break and say, how can our listeners get in contact with you? And do you have any tours coming up that would invite a deeper exploration of our listeners meeting the sacred feminine within themselves? Um, I have you know, a workshop program happening regularly in different parts of Australia. As far as um, tours go, um, each year I do a, a goddess tour in Western India. And it's a tour that coincides with what's called Navratri. And Navratri is a nine-day festival for honouring the different faces of the sacred feminine. Um, it's my favourite piece of work because... We, um, we get to stay in this relatively quiet village um, a couple of hours from Mumbai and we, we, we stay in the guest house, a very beautiful Indian family who, who basically adopt us while hmm. we're there and incorporate us into their world. Beautiful. And, and each morning we, we go and do... Um, different spiritual practices to connect to the different faces of the sacred feminine, to the different goddesses. And then, you know, through different meditations, and we also use some experiential astrology and ritual and ceremony, and then we go and visit the temples to each of these particular goddesses. Um, so we get fully immersed in a culture that really, truly honours the sacred feminine in all her forms. Okay, and the listeners can get in contact with you through your Facebook page, Daniel Suello? Yeah, they can. Okay. All right, so we're... Um, thank you, lovelies, for your heart's loving presence and for sharing in this hour's magical and illuminating astrological exploration with Daniel and I. What a joy to be reminded how much life deeply loves us. And as we consciously navigate the energetic terrain of 2016, we can have absolute faith and trust that our actions are benevolent by nature. Next week, my guest will be Monica McTaggart, and we will be discussing the power of sound and music to clear discordant mental and emotional patterns, to relax and calm the nervous system, and rejuvenate our hearts so we can be in harmony with our divine being. Till our hearts join together as one again next week, I send you much love and blessing from my hearts to yours. May your week be overflowing with all that you are, always now. Love, joy and peace. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. For tuning in to this week's edition of Sounds of the Heart, Sandy Goldstone invites you to join her again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Connect to your own divine nature in the coming week and explore within.